Hello, my name's Tom Boone. And I'm Joanna Bailey. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Simple Flying Podcast, where we'll give you the lowdown on the latest news from the world of commercial aviation. Here's what we have for you this week. Coming up today, Tom will tell us why he was at Frankfurt Airport yesterday. Joe will check in with the Boeing 747 program while I look at Qantas's not quite project sunrise plans. I'll explore what's going on with international operators in Nigeria while Tom takes a look at Finnair's new best friend. So now you know what's in store, let's get on with the show. And I wanted to talk about why I was in Frankfurt yesterday, um, the airport specifically, because I'm in Frankfurt most days. <laughs> yeah. And that was because it was a historic day for everyone's favorite Lufthansa. Um, so what happened was on Monday, the airline took delivery of its first Boeing 787. And um, you might think, oh, it's a new airplane for Lufthansa. Well, actually, it's quite an old airplane for Lufthansa because this plane, um, it turns out, is actually already three years old, would you believe? Um, According to plane spotters, the plane first flew on August 27th, 2019. um, And this is because it was originally ordered by Hainan Airlines um, in China. They didn't want to take delivery of it, so it was passed on to Vistara, and they didn't want to take delivery of it. So it was just kind of up for grabs as a whitetail. And, um, you know, Lufthansa saw the opportunity when they placed their 32 Boeing 787 order um, that's going to be delivered between, like, Monday this week and uh, 2027. Um, You know, obviously, why wait for a new one to be built if there's one ready to go? Mm. Um. It was also kind of a significant delivery for Boeing because, um, as our listeners and you will know, in uh, the start of August, Boeing finally uh, resumed deliveries of the 787 after all of this fiasco it had um, Mm -hmm. with the regulators. And um, it was the fourth 787 to be delivered since things resumed, but actually it was only the first 787-9 that was delivered. So on August 10th, American Airlines took a Dash 8 and they also took a Dash 8 on the 15th. Mm-hmm. And then on August 26th, KLM took a Dash 10. So uh, mm. Lufthansa took the place as the first Dash 9 to be delivered since deliveries resumed. Um, so, you know, the plane left Seattle quite late in the afternoon, about four or five o'clock um, Seattle time, and then flew um, from Boeing's Washington facilities back to um frankfurt and now the plane is called berlin so there was quite this fun thing about berlin and frankfurt um but what i thought was really interesting was i went down to the airport to take pictures of the plane because that's the fun part of my job um (laughs) it's all the fun part of my job really but um what i found fascinating was that the plane didn't just show up and land because where's the fun in that right Mm. instead it um actually flew over the airport at a right angle uh, around 5,000 feet. So pretty much adjacent to uh, runway 18, which as we know is only used for departures in one direction and isn't used for any landings. Um, so the plane flew over low around, over the airport, which, you know, I'm not saying it's not happened before, but this is the first time I've ever seen this happen. It's not like a day-to-day occurrence. Mm-hmm. And then it sort of flew around um, to line up with the southern runway and it came in and we took lots of lovely pictures of it and you know it, we're looking at it and it's like, oh it's still a bit high you know that's is, is it going to touch down 
it didn't. It did a low pass, uh, a slow low pass over the runway. And, you know, this was really cool because when it got a bit further away, you couldn't really see it moving so much. Because um, <laughs> when it's close to you, you kind of see it getting smaller as it gets further away. But as it gets further, it doesn't really change so much. And it, it honestly looked like this plane was just hanging on a string above the far end of the runway. It was insane. That's cool. That's um, very cool. And then it climbed out of Frankfurt again, looped around and landed um, on the second uh, after it lined up for the runway for the second time. So I thought, you know, that was really cool because uh, I've never seen something like that at Frankfurt. And, um, you know, it's it is not a day to day thing. We saw a low, slow fly past of the 747 when it left Heathrow for the last time. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, on a normal day, you can't just do this for any flight because it, it does cause some disruption. It's yeah. uh, when you do these out of the ordinary things. But um, I must say the plane looks really good in the Lufthansa livery. And clearly Lufthansa are very excited to get it as well, which is uh, great to see. Um, I understand this has got another business class product on it, which is not Lufthansa's new business class product, but rather Heinen's what should have been Heinen's business? At the moment, it does, I believe, but it's actually now going into uh, get a cabin refit in okay. uh, the Lufthansa Technic hangars in Frankfurt. So we'll see what comes out of that. Hmm. Um, and I believe it's scheduled to start operations between uh, Frankfurt and Munich, just some sort of domestic stuff um, initially before they ramp up to transatlantic flights to uh, Toronto. Hmm. Um so we'll, we'll keep uh, readers up to date when they announce more. And I will definitely try and get on one of those flights to Munich. Mm, definitely. Or maybe even the flight to Toronto. You never know. Yeah, I'm happy <laughs> with Munich. <laughs> <laughs> so kind of staying on the theme of um, not Lufthansa particularly, but Lufthansa is one of the few airlines that are still flying passenger 747s. And mm. that got me thinking. I saw both of them yesterday, the Dash 400 and the Dash 8. Oh, how lovely. I haven't seen either in a very long time and it makes me sad. Um, but oh, I just come to I'd... Frankfurt. You'll see like five <laughs> or six land one after the other in the morning. <laughs> how nice. Um, I thought I would just have a look at what's going on in the world of 747s today. So within the last week or so, it's been confirmed that Boeing is working on the very last 747-8 freighter, which will be delivered, of course, to Atlas Air. Um, Atlas Air are the largest operator of that aircraft type. Uh, in fact, the largest operator of the 747. They've got more than 50 747-400s and the Dash 8s in their service. Um, they received one of their final four 747-8s in the second quarter of this year. And all three of the final aircraft will arrive before the end of the year. So we don't know exactly what the delivery date of this very last Boeing 747 will be. But the absolute latest it's due to be delivered will be December. Um, So this is kind of closing the door on over half a century of history. Um, As we know, Boeing developed the 747 on the will of uh, Juan Tripp, um, who wanted a large capacity passenger aircraft for his airline Pan Am. Um, And the first 747 took off in February 1969. I think, you know, people forget how much this plane changed aviation. It really did make international travel affordable for the first time. Um, You know, people have said that it revolutionized aviation. I I don't know if other planes would have done the same, but it was certainly a very popular aircraft that made long haul flying 
more possible for more people for the first time ever. But of course, the pandemic really saw the end of the line. We've seen an awful lot retiring from fleets, not Lufthansa's, which is great. Um, but we do know British Airways, of course, waved goodbye to all their 747s. And um, KLM and Qantas and Corsair. Yeah. And we could go on and on with this list. <laughs> Absolutely. But not all BAs ended up in the scrapyard, which was good. We know that at least two of the BA 747s in retro livery are being preserved. Um, and earlier this month, another BA 747 began a new life as a preserved icon. Um, but it's only a little bit of it because this aircraft, formerly registered GBYGA, it's just the top deck that's being preserved as a tourist attraction. The rest of it is probably going to end up on your desk as a key ring, Tom. Um, so parts reclaimer called Doors to Manual launched the project and they're calling it the deck by Doors to Manual. Um, and this uh, it's kind of the cockpit and a bit of the upper deck. It's going to Barton City Airport near Salford in Manchester. Um, and it involved taking this huge part of a plane on a four and a half hour journey up some major UK motorways, uh, of course, with a full police escort due to the huge size of the of the um, shipment. Um, and so to start with, the cockpit's going to be used for tours, photo sessions, um, potentially educational visit opportunities. There's also talk about it being licensed as a wedding venue. Um, but eventually, they're planning to have a full flight simulator added, and that will be the first of its kind in the UK. So it's pretty cool. Um, it is the end of the story for that particular 747. Um, but interestingly, there's one more 747 I want to talk about whose story is just beginning, because when Boeing built that fleet of 747-8s for Lufthansa, it requested that one stay behind in the US for testing and demonstrations, and the airframe chosen for this was going to be registered D-A-B-Y-E. But instead, it received the US registration N828BA. Um, the airplane did a few test flights from Payne Field back in the sort of mid-2010s, uh, but it spent much of its life parked up in Victorville with nobody really wanting to use it. But in autumn last year, it got a new registration, S-U-E-G-Y. So if you know your registrations, you'll know that's Egyptian. And of course, it is going to the Egyptian government for their VIP transport. Um, shortly after, it was ferried to Hamburg to Lufthansa Technik for an interior outfitted in suitably VIP configuration. Um, and now it seems that the refit is complete because that 747 was spotted landing in Shannon earlier this week, where it will be painted in the new Egyptian government livery. Um, of course, the big aircraft painters IAC over there are undertaking this project, and they've actually built a new hangar, especially to accommodate these extra large planes. It's the second hangar that they have that can accommodate the 747 and the A380. Uh, of course, it's going to take some time to complete the painting, but once done, Egypt will join the exclusive club of governments that have chosen the Queen to transport their VIPs. Mm. Yeah, I think that's quite an interesting one, building that hangar, because you know there's not going to be so many of these big planes in the foreseeable future that are going to need to be repainted. But Clearly, they think that there is still a market because, uh, yeah, mm. that was a very big and very expensive hangar to build. Um, and yeah, not just well, for the Egyptian governments. Obviously, they think that some maybe some freighters will be coming yeah. in to be painted. I, I guess don't know. the thing is as well, Lufthansa Technic in the Manila just opened a new A380-sized hangar, but they said it can fit like two or three A320s as well. So mm -hmm. perhaps that's... Um, that's kind of an idea. Yeah, it's like big, big is better, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I wanted to stay on the Boeing track, um, but move back to airlines as well. Um, and I wanted to talk about our favorite down under airline, Qantas. Um, 
So they had a lot to say recently during their results speech. Um, you know, I don't really care about the numbers so much. What I care about is that they are going to return to New York. Mm. Woo! Yeah. Um, so it's it's quite interesting because New York isn't a new destination for Qantas. It's one that has, was a pre-pandemic one and, you know, everything went out the window in the last couple of years. Mm. Um, previously, they flew to New York via Los Angeles. Um, so passengers traveling to the Big Apple had a 13.5-hour uh, flight and then a five-and-a-half-hour domestic hop. Uh, Qantas wasn't able to sell domestic tickets so it could you could only fly sydney to um los angeles or sydney to jfk and jfk to sydney or los angeles to sydney not jfk los angeles exclusively mm. mm -hmm. um they are restarting the service but los um auckland is the new los angeles um so the um, there's going to be a short hop from Sydney to Auckland, and then after refueling the 787, passengers are going to strap in for a 16-hour flight Oof. across the Pacific and North America before arriving in New York. So there are going to be flights QF3 and QF4, and it's not quite going to stretch as long as the 17-hour, 15-minute flight time of the Perth to London service, but, you know, it's getting up there. Mm. Um Qantas didn't explicitly say that you're going to be able to travel um, between Auckland and New York as like a fifth freedom, but it does say that the service will give New Zealanders more choice, which suggests that Qantas is hoping to offer this. Um, of course, the route is still subject to uh, regulatory approval. But, you know, one day Qantas wants to just cut out the middle stop entirely because we know as part of Project Sunrise, it's aiming for nonstop between um, Sydney and New York. And it's it, that's actually a flight that the, the airline has flown in the past when it was doing its Project Sunrise feasibility flights with um, brand new 787s that weren't actually very full mm -hmm. um, and fueled to the brim. You know, um, they they flew uh, twice from New York to Sydney and on December 16th, the flight clocked in at 19 and a half hours of flight time. Wow. Of course, we know that... Um, the airline is looking for the Airbus A350-1000 to make Project Sunrise a reality. So it's not going to be the 787s flying to New York in the long term, unless, you know, perhaps they keep the stopping service and add the non-stop service. Although, mm. you know, I feel like if that was the case, you'd maybe want to go back to LA because then you've kind of got a more... A better break up or even stop in Honolulu, you know, that's yeah. kind of like halfway. But I feel, um, you know... There's not much difference between the Auckland. It depends on the, the demand, because if you're just solely looking at a long flight versus a stopping flight, I don't see the benefit in stopping and so having a 16-hour flight instead of a 19-hour yeah. flight. You know, if it's like um, two nine-hour flights, that's a huge difference. But uh, <laughs> I don't yeah. know why Hawaii doesn't kind of cash in on the stopover thing a bit better because you know Iceland's made a whole like thing yeah. out of it and you can imagine that flying from the US to Australia or New Zealand mm. it would be awesome to have like a couple of days on the beach in Hawaii on the way and you know yeah. just have that built into your ticket but so it doesn't seem to happen very much. Yeah it's not something I'm aware of maybe there is some sort of thing going on there mm. um i mean we will have to wait and see <laughs> so i thought it was important and not very entertaining but important that we looked at what's going on in nigeria because there mm. just seems to be story after story coming out of the african country 
Um, so to put this in perspective, Nigeria has a reportedly been blocking airlines from repatriating over $460 million in money that they've earned in the country. So this is money from ticket sales um, that they are not paying back to the airlines. So they're Hmm. kind of holding on to it. And, you know, they've given various reasons for it. And actually, they're not alone. Um, other African nations are also holding on to airlines money. For example, Zimbabwe reportedly has 100 million. Algeria has 96 million. Eritrea, 79 million. And Ethiopia is holding back about 75 million. But Nigeria leads the way by far, um, probably due to its enormous market size. So um, airlines have responded to this by raising ticket prices. And mm. right now, Nigerians are paying about three times more than travellers from other countries to go to the same destinations. Um, So this is a major issue. You know, airlines don't like to fly somewhere and not get paid for it, um, especially with the way that the cost of uh, aviation fuel is going. Mm. Um, So last week, a government minister said that Nigeria was working hard to resolve the issue of blocked funds. And indeed, by the end of last week, the country had released a load of money, $265 million, in fact. Um, But it's estimated that this is less than 50% of the actual funds that are blocked in the country so far. Um, And with no further movement anticipated any time soon, airlines have started responding by cutting services to the nation. So Um, First to make a move was Emirates. They've got a huge Nigerian market. Um, And at first, they said they would just reduce their service to Lagos in response to the crisis. I believe they cut from like 11 flights a week down to seven. Um, But later, they confirmed that they would be suspending all service to Nigeria starting from September the 1st. Um, They claim that they've got around $85 million currently trapped in the country. Um, Emirates has said that it still thinks uh, Nigeria is a very important market and they're definitely open to reversing the decision if the Nigerian authorities take action to release the funds. But that's not kind of happening anytime soon. Mm. Um, There was reportedly something going on with British Airways. Um, There were various rumours that they may have closed inventory on some ticket sales to Nigeria. Um, I'm waiting for a response from the airline to confirm whether that's true or not. So we'll skirt over that one for a minute because we're not entirely sure. Um, But Delta has absolutely become the second airline to announce a service suspension um, beginning in October. So Delta will no longer service its New York to Lagos route unless the state releases the funds. Um, But it will continue flying uh, uh, Atlanta to Lagos. So, you know, people can still connect onto the other Delta flights and probably get to where they wanted to go, but Mm. um, not via New York anymore. It says that all flights from Nigeria and to Nigeria are now required to be purchased in US dollars. I guess this is to protect against the kind of ups and downs of the foreign exchange. Um, But I really think unless Nigeria can come to a conclusion on this and release the airlines funds, we could definitely see more airlines pulling service. I'm Hmm. eyeing Virgin Atlantic. I don't know who your money's on, Tom, but uh, it's a bit of a dire situation. I know um, Kenya Airways said they've got some of their money tied up, I believe, Um, as well but um I, I don't really understand how it works though because you know I kind of thought you know as soon as you buy the ticket the money would go straight to the airline so yeah I'm um, not into kind of how the money flow works but I guess it it kind of goes into a pot and then gets yeah. paid out in a lump or maybe that's just how it works in particular countries but maybe we should learn more about bookings and tickets yeah maybe not as exciting as planes though is it <laughs> it's not is it um Well, I wanted to wrap up quickly by talking about Finnair and their new best friends. So, 
you know, Finnair has been in uh, the One World Alliance for a long time, I believe, since day one. And it's got another, uh, another friend called Qatar Airways, who's also in the One World Alliance. And mm. I feel like I'm really dumbing this down far too much at this point. <laughs> um, but yeah, so basically Finnair has said that it's going to launch three new routes to Doha. Oh. And each one is going to be um, sold on a daily basis, operated on a daily basis. So it's going to fly from its home in Helsinki, but also the Stockholm is the Swedish capital and Copenhagen is the Danish capital. Mm-hmm. And all three of these flights are going to operate daily um, to sort of increase its connectivity Um It seems as though this is part of a strategic partnership, or it is part of a strategic partnership that the two want to pursue. And this is going to allow um, a sort of greater code share between the two. I was digging through Sirium data and found that Actually, there's currently only one code share route between the two, and that's a Qatar Airways flight from Doha to Helsinki four times a week. Mm-hmm. Um, but the idea is, you know, that um, Finnair passengers will be able to connect onto Doha flight, uh, Qatar flights in Doha, Doha passengers or Qatar passengers. Uh, words uh, will be able to <laughs> connect with Finnair flights in any of these um, any of these cities. So it was quite interesting because. Um, Akbar, our bestie at Qatar, um, Mr. Al-Baker, said soon Doha will be the one world hub bringing more airline partners together than ever before. Mm. With this code share agreement, travelers from the Nordics will continue to have excellent connectivity to Doha with Finnair and onwards with Qatar Airways to attractive leisure and key business destinations across Asia, Africa, Australasia and the Middle East. So, Mm. um, you know, it seems as though Qatar Airways is really pushing that it wants to be the go-to place if you're a one-world traveler. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Finnair, it's not sending its um, the pride of its fleet, the A350, to uh, Doha, but it's going to send the slightly smaller A330. But what we do know is that it's going to be the A330s that have been given the new um, business class seat that's the hard shell that doesn't recline. So, nice. you know, if you are flying with Finnair to Doha, you will be flying in comfort. Mm-hmm. Um they don't have an exact date for all of these flights yet. What they have said is between November and December. So, you know, from the Finnair point of view, it would make sense to try and get them in early because uh, sort of mid-November to mid-December, you've got the World Cup and that would presumably be um, a good money maker for the airline. But mm. um, you also have the whole slot constraints issue of the World Cup where people are actually going to have to um, fight to fly in and whatnot and mm. um, have shuttle services from other airports. So, yeah, um, that's kind of what I wanted to round up with today. And um, that's cool. good luck I to mean, Finnair and Qatar because anything yeah. that helps passengers is a good thing, in my opinion. I do wonder if maybe this is some of the capacity that they would have been deploying to Asia if they weren't having to take the very odd routing due Mm. to the Russian airspace closure. You know, maybe they're trying to hook into a new market by by doing this. I did see that James, our routes analyst earlier, had um, dug into it a bit more and saw that, you know, as these flights are launching, uh, Finnair is really scaling back its uh, Stockholm long haul Mm. network. Um, So, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that's all we've got time for on today's podcast. We do hope you enjoyed it. And as usual, we welcome your feedback at podcast at simpleflying.com. For more great content, you can visit our website at simpleflying.com or find us on social media. Simply search for Simple Flying. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a rating on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.